Legal Toolkit with Jared Correa. With guests Jessica Foster Correa and Samantha Hedges of In Touch Vacations, we play travel etiquette. And then, to prove we're not afraid of controversy, Jared chooses a side in one of the hottest debates of our time. But first, your host, Jared Correa. It's time for the Legal Toolkit Podcast, which is coming at you right now like a freight train. And yes, it's still called the Legal Toolkit Podcast, even though I left my tooth chisel on the sink. I'm your host, Jared Correa. You're stuck with me because Morton Downey Jr. was unavailable. He was busy not being Robert Downey Jr.'s dad. I'm the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, a business management consulting service for attorneys and bar associations. Find us online at redcavelegal.com. I'm the COO of Gideon Software, Inc. We build chatbots so law firms can convert more leads and conversational document assembly tools so law firms can build documents faster and more accurately. You can find out more about Gideon at gideonlegal.com. Now, before we get to our interview today, which incidentally is with my wife, Jessica Correa, and her fellow travel agent, Samantha Hedges, both of In Touch Vacations, Jessica has some Taylor Swift talk for you, released in conjunction with her upcoming concert tour. That's right. For the first time ever, I am ceding the monologue of this show to my dear wife, Jessica. Jessica, take it away with some kind of Swifty rant. Hi, it's me. I'm Jess, and I'm taking over this week's monologue. The real challenge with this monologue is keeping it short. I could talk about Taylor Swift for hours. I'll try to keep this short, but if it's too long, don't blame me. Taylor Allison Swift was born on December 13, 1989, in West Reading, Pennsylvania. And no, I did not have to look that up. I'm a super fan. Taylor began pursuing her dream of becoming a musician at the age of 14. Three years earlier, she had taken a trip to Nashville with her mother and was rejected by record labels. Instead of becoming discouraged, it lit a fire. She was determined to stand out from the crowd of men and women trying to make it big in country music. Taylor was signed at the age of 14 and ultimately ended up with Big Machine as one of their first contracted artists. In 2006, Taylor released her debut album titled Taylor Swift, along with her first single titled Tim McGraw. Here's where I have to make a confession. In 2006 was the year that I graduated college, and I was not a big contemporary country fan. I was also busy trying to find a job, an apartment, and was planning my wedding. I didn't start listening to Taylor Swift until April of 2007. I was in Rome, Georgia, assisting my school's debate team at their national tournament. My roommate, Nikki, who was now a lawyer, and I would put on music videos on CMT, the country music television station, to watch and to listen to while we were getting ready for the day. And because of this, I heard Taylor Swift's teardrops on my guitar for the first time. That was it for me. This teenager, five years my junior, was singing to me. It was like she knew what I was thinking and feeling. I was instantly hooked. I had never, and to this day have never, related to someone I've never met the way I relate to Taylor. There are lyrics in her album, Folklore, that I literally laughed out loud listening to the first time because they appear to be taken straight from moments in my life that even my closest friends don't even know about. I feel like the ghost of Taylor lived with me through some of my most pivotal developmental moments and then summarized them into musical poetry. I firmly believe that there is a Taylor Swift song for every person. I change Taylor albums based on my mood and what I'm feeling. 
As I grew up, so did Taylor. Her music morphed and matured. She explored different genres and is constantly reinventing herself while staying true to her core Taylorness. Taylor uses her platform to implement change and advocate for the rights of people who are silenced. I highly recommend the documentary Miss Americana. It gives great insight into just how principled Taylor is. She is willing to trade in her fame and wealth to advocate for what is right, even if she loses fans, money, awards, or notoriety in the process. To this date, Taylor has sold 50 million albums, won 11 Grammy Awards, and over 100 other awards in the music and film industry, in addition to being the most streamed female artist in Spotify's history. Even if you are not a fan of Taylor Swift's music, you have probably read about her master's re-recordings. Taylor Swift's master re-recordings belong to her former record label, Big Machine, and Scooter Braun, who purchased Big Machine in 2019. Taylor relentlessly tried to purchase her masters from Big Machine in order to have the creative rights and licensing to her own intellectual property. Braun and Big Machine refused, so Taylor signed with Republic Records and came up with a plan to eventually own all of her own music. Taylor's contract with Republic allows her to own her own masters of every new album she releases with them. Taylor is in the process of re-recording every album released by Big Machine. Braun ultimately sold her masters to a private equity firm. Taylor's tenacity is paving the way for other artists to take more ownership and creative control over their work. For this week's playlist, I wanted to do something really unique. Taylor Swift's music is ubiquitous. You'll hear it in commercials, at restaurants, hotel lobbies, supermarkets, everywhere. But what about the songs that aren't singles? Some of my favorite Taylor songs have never been played on the radio, so I decided to create a playlist of the best Taylor songs that were never singles. I just want to note that I've used Taylor's version, aka the re-recorded versions of all songs, when possible. When more re-recordings are released, because she isn't finished yet, this playlist will be updated so that eventually only songs owned by Taylor are getting listens and downloads on Spotify. I'm starting off the playlist with the most iconic non-single, and that is All Too Well. All Too Well has always been one of my top five Taylor songs. When news broke that not only were we getting a Red album re-recording, but we were going to get the full 10-minute explicit version of the cult favorite All Too Well, I was ecstatic. Both the original and the 10-minute version are on this playlist. Treacherous is also from Red and on this playlist. It is my favorite Taylor song. It's both light and deep at the same time, and honestly, who can't relate to these lyrics? Mary's song is a great example of how masterful Taylor is at storytelling. It paints a picture of childhood sweethearts growing up and getting married. Taylor has perfected the art of pinning daydreams to songs to the point where you are Googling, who is Mary? And for the record, Mary's song is about her older neighbors who fell in love as children. I've also included some alternate versions of songs, still non-singles, like the piano version of Forever and Always. There are also songs on this list that are bonus tracks and or vault tracks. Taylor traditionally includes one or more songs as bonus songs on her albums. For the earlier albums, these extended albums were sold as CDs at Target. Now, of course, we get them streaming. Vault songs are bonus songs, but for the re-recorded albums. These songs were written at the same time as the album songs, but for whatever reason did not make the cut. The most famous vault song is, of course, All Too Well, the 10-minute version. Untouchable, Wonderland, and You Are In Love are also bonus songs. There are, are several songs on here from 1989 in Reputation. I have a complicated relationship with these two albums. I am a big Fearless, Red, Speak Now, Folklore, Evermore era fan. These are more folksy, country, quiet, and slower than the pop-forward 1989 in Reputation. 
Last year, however, I revisited reputation and I realized I was just not ready for my reputation era in 2017. It was five years too early for me. Lover is the album released right before the pandemic started. Lover is the title track, a single, and my favorite song on the album, so it's not on the playlist, but this is a very solid album. Folklore and Evermore are the sister albums released in 2020, when we were all living our own version of a dark fairy tale. These albums capture my thoughts and feelings during the pandemic flawlessly. Mastermind is the most recent album released in October of 2022. I think it rounds out the current collection perfectly. I hope we have many more years of Taylor Swift's music ahead of us. I cannot wait for the Ares tour this year. I'm also looking forward to the continued evolution of Taylor and her music. She is still so young. Should she choose to marry or have children, I can't wait to hear the song she writes while she is rocking her child to sleep in their nursery at night. Long live Taylor. My children will definitely know your name. Let's take a quick break. Partner with Rankings.io, the marketing agency for law firms that want results, not excuses. With flat rates for Google ads, a track record ranking attorneys for the most competitive terms on Google, and a team always easy to reach by phone, even during off hours, Rankings.io is the agency of choice for firms that want the rankings, traffic, and cases other law firm marketing agencies just can't deliver. Visit Rankings.io for a free consultation and start seeing your firm grow. Simplify. With Cosmolex, the only fully integrated practice management solution. Everything you need, accessible anywhere. Trust and general accounting is built in, so you don't need QuickBooks. Cosmolex's Money Finder reminds you to bill for work you put into client matters so you don't leak money. That's messy. Lower cost, better business, and less frustration. Yes, please. It's all built in with Cosmolex. Free trial and... Take 20% off your first year at Cosmolex.com. Okay, let's get to the meat in the middle of this legal sandwich. Actually, there's not much legal in the podcast today. Meat is more like lamp shank, lustily enjoyed in the hot tub. All right, let's get to it. It's time to interview our guests. I've got some very special guests today. My first guest is Jessica Foster Korea, who you will no doubt notice has, shares the same last name as me. That's my wife, Jessica. No relation. And then, and then <laughs> Samantha Hedges, no relation. <laughs> Both of in touch vacations. So, hello, ladies. How are you? Oh, good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> Jessica's having a tremendous day. Yeah. In large part because she gets to live with me, which is a true delight. So, you both work <laughs> as travel agents. Jessica, talk to me about being a travel agent. What do you What do you do? Well, basically, our job is to figure out what kind of vacation works for each person and what destination they want, which type of resort fits within their wants and budget, etc. And then we do the research, the planning, hold your hand, help you out throughout the way. Sam, am I missing anything? 
<laughs> no, I mean, you pretty is... much covered it. <laughs> I like how you guys are like, I'm going to come on and ask you what uh, a travel agent is. And you're going to be like, come on, move it along. All right, so let's move it along. <laughs> what kinds of vacations do you book for people? And like travel components. Like, do you book the airfare? You book the resort part of the trip? Not other parts of the trip? Like, talk to me about that. Because that's something that I don't think a lot of people know. Do you handle literally everything or just most of the stuff? Sam, I'm going to start with you this time because Jessica was mean to me earlier. <laughs> it's my job. So what I do personally, like I will do your cruise. I will not book your airfare for your cruise because I will not book anything that's not inside of a package. Um, just because ah. sometimes it's easier for the client to just go ahead and book their own airfare. Um, you know, if they have points or anything like that, I can't book anything like that. But if you go to an all-inclusive resort or a tour of Europe, anything like that, Hawaii, I can package your airfare, your travel insurance, your resort, and even excursions all into one big fancy package, pay your down payment, make payments, and then a final payment date at the end. So a travel package could be like something that's pre-built or yes. something that you like construct for people. Yes. So Hawaii, I usually will add a few excursions in a package along with their airfare and their resort. Uh, just because, And rental cars for Hawaii, And rental too. cars, you're right. Oh, that, you can do just, rental cars, too? That's cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's just easier to do it that way for the long-haul vacations. If it's something more domestic, I think it's easier for clients just to book their own airfare. Now, if they're uncomfortable doing that, I do walk them through it. I'll be like, oh, well, I can walk you through it, but I'm not going to book it for you. Oh, like uh -huh. they're online booking their plane flights and you're like, yes, click this I will button, walk them through it. I do that a lot uncomfortable. too. Really? I'll give, <laughs> yeah. I'll give flight suggestions to them. They'll give me a preferred airline and then I'll tell them, based on my experience, I would fly out at this time with this long of a connection you know, or tell them that this airline is preferable, this airline gets delayed a lot, and then they'll go and book their own flights. All right. So so the idea is basically, like, if I wanted to book a trip, the advantage of having a travel agent would be that I wouldn't have to do any of the shit that I normally do to book the trip, which sounds great to me, frankly. We will do all the research for you, basically. Yeah. That's awesome. I already do this for you, and I don't get paid. <laughs> yeah, don't don't expect that to change. Anyway, um, <laughs> so let me. Uh, all right, let me ask you a little bit about this. So, like, what's the cost? Like, because I know sometimes you get paid by commission from whatever company. All the times with, we get paid right? by commission. So or... there's there's no actual fee to the customer. So... Is that right? Every travel agent does things differently. Sam and I personally do not charge fees. Our agency does not charge Some fees. Some people do, though, but you guys Some don't. travel agents will charge a consulting fee. Yeah. Okay. You are paying the same price with me that you would booking it on your own. Same with Sam. And the upside is we can apply discounts if they come out. We sometimes have bulk trips and prices that are cheaper than what you would buy on your own if you go on the internet. We are your customer service representative when you, you know, let's say you decide to book something through Expedia or Orbitz. You're going to wait on the phone for three hours if you want to make a change or cancel or any of that. We are your person waiting online when you need to make a change for your trip or waiting on the phone. So we will save our clients a lot of time and potentially money booking through us. And on top of that, we've traveled to the destinations that we're selling. If we're selling you something, we know 
the product. We've been there. We know what type of room category, what the rainy season looks like, what transfers looks like, all of that stuff. So, Plus, we monitor for promos, discounts, and apply them without even telling you. So if like something comes out for Disney and it's like 25% off a room, we will go in at 5 a.m., change mm-hmm. everybody's that is available and that qualifies, and boom, you wake up to an email where we saved you money. <laughs> and people are probably like, don't you know all this stuff, Jared? You actually live with Jessica. And I would say two things about that. First is that I'm trying to build some exposition into the show. And secondly... I don't pay attention to fucking anything. So we don't talk my, shop at home. Like, this is we don't sit around the dinner table and Jared's like, so Jessica, tell me, how do, how do you, you get paid? How do you get paid? How do you get paid, Jared? Let's flip the tables on that. I don't how even. Do you get paid? I, don't, I don't even fucking know. So, he shows up in his account. Yeah, I just keep getting money. So, um, what are the most popular travel destinations right now, January twenty twenty three? Jessica. Dude, Europe. In this, oh, sorry, oh, Europe. Yes. Oh, S- Sam yes. instead. Sam, Europe. <laughs> really? Everybody's going right. to Europe. I was, I was going to lead with Europe. Europe is huge right now because Europe was closed longer than we were. So, like, 2021 w- was the year of Disney Universal domestic theme parks. 2022, we started seeing cruises really bounce back hard. Um, Hawaii got really big. All inclusives, Caribbean. And now in 2023, we're seeing everybody wanting to go back to Europe. Europe is so hot right now. Let's go back in time to the COVID lockdowns of 2020. Everybody oh, gosh, those? do we have to? Good oh, times. No. Well, have the shakes. Ostensibly, this is supposed to be like a business management podcast, even though I don't know what the hell we're going to talk to from week to week. So, like, lawyers had a little bit of trouble with COVID because there was about a month where business dried up, but then it came back. <laughs> But travel, yeah, you guys are laughing because travel agent, you're like a month, please. So a like, <laughs> I had every single 2020 trip cancel on me, every yeah. single one, and no one's fault, obviously. But yeah. I did not. I, the only people that I traveled traveled in January or February, and then that was it. So how did you guys like push through that and keep <laughs> your businesses going? Because that's like that's like a, that's like a hardcore. It was challenge. terrible. I pushed yeah. Disney. I pushed it in universe. I pushed Disney and Universal like it was going out of style. I was like, "Look, it's your last chance to travel. All you can do is go to Disney or Universal." Well, and flights were cheap. The majority of my 2020 bookings, yeah, really, flights were cheap. Yeah, the crowds were very low, and Disney and Universal did a really good job of keeping everybody safe. But yeah, I lost. Uh, Sam has been doing this longer than me. She was more established. I lost my entire business and had to start over from scratch. But yeah, that's uh, having a second full-time job helped me stay afloat. There's a lot of people who do not have a second job and struggled a lot. It was a very tough times. And so, Sam, you niched down into Disney and Universal. And when mm-hmm. did you start getting around to sell different stuff after that? Like, when did it come back a little bit for you? Um, last year. So I finally had more cruise bookings last year. People were ready to go to the Caribbean, ready to go to Mexico. It was just that year in between COVID and the end of 2021, everybody was like, "Mm, we don't, there's too many restrictions. So we don't want to do that. So last year was really the first year I had a lot of cruises on the books. This year I have a lot of Europe and cruises Mm -hmm. and all inclusives. So not as much Disney, which is kind of shocking. But uh, I'll take it. <laughs> so it sounds like there's a lot less travel hesitancy 
than there was before. Oh, do you, yeah. still, do oh, you yeah. still have people like asking about like COVID stuff or are they just like a hundred percent? Do we have to really? test? Do we, you know, is there, are there any restrictions? And I'm like, nope, no masks, no testing. You're good to go. That's for Europe too. Yes. Yep. Wow. Okay. You, you should always check what country you're visiting, but that, you know, mm. we have a COVID waiver that we have everyone sign as well. Just acknowledging that COVID is still a thing, whether you want it to be or not. <laughs> Yeah, and you could yeah. still get COVID. Please do not sue us. Yeah. <laughs> it's not our fault. <laughs> Don't sue the travel agent because you want yes. to travel. Yeah. Let's talk about something a little less depressing. Let's talk about social media. I try to get law firms into social media all the time, and they're reluctant to do it. They don't know how to act or what to say or what to post. So, Sam, as okay. the social media maven, maveness, I don't know. <laughs> how do you leverage social media to market your business? Because I think this would be helpful for attorneys. Well, I try to like make a post at least once a day and make it fun and exciting. It doesn't have to be fun and exciting. I don't know how you would do that for a law. But for me, <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> I, I'm posting like destination photos with a little blurb about it. Um, I look for deals to post, anything like that, or just a funny saying, something that mm. will also engage a client. So putting a question out there like, oh, where, where's your favorite place you've traveled to or anything like that. But I get probably 95% of my business off social media. Yeah, and that's, that's on impressive. Instagram and on Facebook. Sam is um, the queen of the interactive posts. She always mm. posts great interactive posts. So. so like polls or like just questions? Yeah, I've done polls before or questions, you know, like when Disney during COVID, when Disney was big, was like, what's your favorite ride at Walt Disney World in Epcot? Or, you know, um, what time did you see this post? You would not think people would respond to that. But it's like they're like, oh, it's 1230. I'm seeing this post at 1230. <laughs> and people I'll That's get what... like 50 comments. And I'm like, OK, but it gets your post out there. It helps there with the algorithm. Yeah. yeah. The more yeah. likes you get, the more comments you get, the more hearts you get. It's just and it she'll post like there. funny travel memes and stuff like that. The too, memes you know? are the thing. The, me people the memes, love memes. Yeah. People love a good travel <laughs> joke meme. Sam, are like you a meme best. lord? Would you say that that's true? <laughs> I mean, I'm working on it. I have a friend that's a meme lord, so I sometimes swipe his, but <laughs> they're they're pretty fabulous. I, I love memes. They make me laugh. All right, Anything that is... can make me laugh and not be too serious, I'm down for. <laughs> so, so you're posting this stuff, but then you're also looking at how the algorithm treats specific posts, which I think yes. is really smart. So yes. you're like, you're on Instagram and Facebook mostly. Mm -hmm. Anything else? Nope. I have a website, but I don't I don't really monitor that or see if it does anything. Okay. I don't feel like the website does much because I can't really interact with that. So I don't have anything else in socials. Twitter scares me. Twitter is a frightening place, for sure. <laughs> I hate Twitter more and more every day. <laughs> so let me ask you this as well, because you both are involved in like a couple of different podcasts. So we're on a podcast right now. This is getting pretty meta right now. But I also try to talk to the lawyers about like doing podcasts as a marketing tactic. How has that helped you sell more travel? Jessica, I'm going to turn it over to you first. Well, this is kind of a tough question. So our first podcast that we started, we work with two other fellow travel agents who are former coworkers of ours. And we basically use the podcast as like one big marketing tool. So we talk about the destinations we've traveled to, even if it's something 
like small that we did with our families. Like maybe, you know, someone went to a small boutique hotel with their kids over the weekend. We'll talk about that because while we might not make a lot of commissions or sell a lot of those trips, those hotels or resorts sometimes will pick up our episode and post it on their social media page or we will post certain, you know, we just did an episode about Jamaica and uh, one of our co-hosts posted it in a Jamaica fan group for this resort. And it got a ton of downloads because people who are on the fence thinking about booking, even if we don't book them, they are downloading our episodes. So we're getting downloads, we're getting hits, and we're getting people subscribing, which helps us in the long run um, potentially get more listeners and more potential clients. So that's how kind of how we use the podcast for marketing and booking. The Facebook groups are crazy popular though now, right? Like we have Facebook groups. Group, yeah. Yeah, we have Facebook, Facebook groups, groups for each of our two podcasts. So let me ask you this. Like, are you also like posting into other Facebook groups as well, in addition to your own? Like, do you get traction off of that? So we don't market ourselves. You have to be really careful because a lot of these travel groups that look like they're just fan generic travel groups, a lot of times they're run by an agency, secretly run by an agency or another podcast or a travel company or something. So if you're self-promoting in these groups, you might not realize that the owners are tied to travel in some way and do not, not want that. you self, self-promoting. So we don't really self-promote in a group unless it's a direct verified um, official group of a resort or a company or something, and they've given us the okay to post our podcast in the group. Last question for the two of you. I, I find this to be interesting. Is that like a lot of attorneys I talk to and a lot of like busy professionals, they have a hard time taking vacations. They have a hard time unplugging. So like when people come to you, are they raring to go and are like, hey, I want to go on like a 20-day European vacation? Or do you sometimes have to convince them like it's cool to take time off? Sam, let's come back to you for this one. I never have to talk people into taking time <laughs> off. <laughs> I was ready to go. <laughs> yeah. So I'm actually I'm actually booking a trip for a lawyer as we speak. And uh, he's like, yeah, I want to do all the things. I want to be <laughs> off work. I want to do this, this, and this. Oh, and that's encouraging. Trips this year. He's like, I need a break. So it's always good to take a break. Yes. I actually find that lawyers are some of the best people at disconnecting on vacation than the regular clients. My legal clients, they want to go, they want to live it up, they want to make the most of it, they put everything aside, and they are super present for that week or two weeks or whatever. So I but, feel like lawyers especially are work hard, play hard. But I will say this. Yes. All cruise Please. lines, all tour companies... All resorts have Wi-Fi if needed. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Jared, I, you use Wi-Fi on our cruise. That's, I, did. I think that's a big misconception about cruising is that yeah. you're floating in the middle of the ocean with no Wi-Fi. But that's not true. You did work on our cruise, right? Uh, yeah, it was really good. Was you're really a busy bad. professional lawyer and you were able to <laughs> use Wi-Fi on the cruise. So I was. I love cruising. I fucking love cruises so much. <laughs> okay. Thank you both for being on segment one. Will you come back for segment two, the rump roast? Do I have a choice? No. <laughs> the rump roast. <laughs> All right. We'll take one final sponsor break so you can hear more about what our sponsors can do for your law practice. Then stay tuned for the aforementioned rump roast. It's even more supple than the roast beast. 
Contract automation isn't a trend. It's a strategic imperative. Though big players in the e-sign world will make you believe implementing it will cost you big bucks and more than a few headaches, it doesn't have to be that way. DocuBee is an easy-to-onboard, full suite of products and includes e-signature, brilliant workflow capabilities, and AI contract automation at nearly half the price of those out-of-touch behemoths. The one thing DocuBee doesn't automate? Their customer service. Visit get.docubee.com slash contracts to set up a call with a real live person. DocuBee will be with you every step of the way. Hey, Gee, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Gee, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network, available wherever podcasts are found. Welcome to the rear end of the Legal Toolkit. That's right, it's the Rump Roast. It's a grab bag of short-form topics, all of my choosing. Why do I get to pick? Because I'm the host. Today, I want to play a little game I like to call Travel Etiquette. I want to talk to you both about potentially annoying things that travelers do. Oh, boy. And let's work to correct <laughs> that behavior together. Are you ready to play? Sure. Yeah, let's right. do it. All right. All right. Number one, shared armrests on airplanes. What is the appropriate etiquette? Because I never know what to do. Do I seed the entire armrest? Do I try to take command of it right away? Like, what do I do? There actually a... is etiquette about this. There okay. is a rule. I don't know the rule. Okay, the rule is if you are on the inside the um the, middle the window, seat. you get the left armrest. You have to give up the right armrest. The person in the middle oh. is supposed to be able to get both middle armrest. And then the person really? on the aisle gets the right armrest. So the middle gets both, the window gets left, and the aisle gets right. That is the official armrest etiquette for airplanes that's crazy I mean, is that because the middle it. seat is shitty is that why yeah a hundred percent that is wild um okay here's another good one here's another good one. now this was great during covid and that like no one could be near you but current times what is the appropriate distance between groups in a line because the one thing well, i hate is when i'm in line and somebody is like up my back sam go ahead i was gonna say don't don't be up someone's ass Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there like, are we talking like a foot? I mean, you should at least stay like, I think three feet apart is good. I mean, three four, feet? Three, That's feet. I, mean, I love you it. You can stay far away from me because I don't need to smell you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't want to smell your BO if you're in a theme park or anything like that. Three feet it's is socially not acceptable. not going to affect how you get on the ride. Three However, feet. I wow. will add that at Disney... Uh, they are back to tell you to fill in all the available space. So in yeah. Disney, yeah. they kind of force you to ride someone's behind. So if you're in a theme park and someone's directing you to get closer, you kind of have no choice. But like in the grocery store, I I shouldn't be able to reach out and touch your carriage. Yeah, that's true. All right. I like Better. that. Okay. Good line etiquette. Okay. And it does get hot in Florida in the summer. So <laughs> Dude, people, yeah. people do stink. Okay. Number three. 
drinking at the family pool. What is the appropriate level of drunkenness or not, or not drunkenness? So I'm not a big drinker. Like, I I enjoy a good cocktail on vacation, but I'm not the person who's going to get drunk, especially on a family vacation. I'm definitely not. I'm not anti-drinking in front of the kids. I'll have one drink with the kids, but I'm not getting, like, drunk on a family vacation. That's just not me, personally. What if you were an adult at the family pool without a family? What's appropriate then? Or is that just weird? Do you not do that? No, we do that. We'll we'll have, I mean, Sam and I will have a drink or two because, you know, we're hanging out by the pool as long as we're not working. I think you just act the way you would at a, a barbecue, like with your friends. If you want to be a complete idiot in front of all your kids' friends' parents, like that's you, bro. You do you. But next question. Is it ever appropriate to fart on a ride? Ever. Like even if, you, even if you're like struggling and you can't hold it in. Yeah. Dude, like, you just got to let that go sometimes. Yes, yeah, you do. <laughs> You're right. That's okay. You can do yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, if you're so, on a ride, it's going fast. It's fine. The wind will carry it off. Yeah, you, I think it's fine. Thirty-second story. Jared just told our kids that if they didn't fart, they would die. So he basically <laughs> told that? them, they ha- "Yes, last that's not, night that's you told true. them if you don't fart, you'll die." Yeah, that's probably true, though. Don't you? think? No, you can burp. Oh, oh yeah, that's true. Okay, all right. So, just, so but, yes. Uh, now our children think that if they don't fart on a ride, they will die on the ride so yeah. now yes apparently reco- we I'm, all have to i'm recalling that i did say that all right everybody fart on the theme park ride so you don't die public service announcement <laughs> all right got another one for you so there's a family taking a really long time to do a photo or video and they're in the way and blocking your path what is the appropriate length of time to wait for that to finish before you cross through because this happens all the time at Disney. You got people standing in like the middle of an entrance and they're recording like Citizen Kane. I mean, were you talking about like just busting through them and moving them out? At of the some way? point, you got to get to your ride, right? So, right. yeah, like when do you just walk through and impede the camera angle? Well, sometimes I would just be like, excuse me, excuse me. I don't oh, know. I feel polite. like most people are pretty good about it. Personally, okay. it all depends on the level of assholery. So if they are like, if they have little kids and they're, and they look around and they're kind of like, sorry, can we have 30 seconds? I will always wait. Always. Yeah. If you are purposely taking up the whole thing and you are waiting for like little Susie to adjust the bow in her hair for, for 30 seconds, I'm walking right in front of her. So hell yeah. I love it. All right. For the last one, I got a really good one for you because this happens all the time, especially like at a re- at like a theme park. Somebody's walking behind you, they smash you with the stroller in your ankle. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you better look out because I'm gonna be slapping. I'm just <laughs> but that happens all the time, right? So, like, do you say something? Do you wait until it happens like five times before you say something? What are we doing for etiquette? Stroller. Ramped your life. I'm saying something, but I'm not I'm not cursing. I'm not uh I would never get physical ever. Uh yeah, I would not yeah. do anything that would get me kicked out or banned. Right. Disney is very heavy handed with the lifetime bans. Mm. So you do need to be on your best behavior because they will take you to the secret room and ban you for life. There's really a secret room? Yep. Oh really? Wow. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. All right, Sam, any thoughts on uh yeah. I was, I was totally kidding. I really wouldn't slap anyone, but I would give them a dirty wow. look. Yeah. I, <laughs> I actually don't do like, that. 
<laughs> One of my favorite things about strollers is like when people fall when they're carrying their strollers. I'm a terrible person. But I will have to say my favorite Disney memory was when this dude fell out of a bus with a stroller that he was trying to unlock and he just ate it so hard. I was like laughing for days. I'm well, ex- he thought he thought the bus was level with the ground. So he went to walk <laughs> off like there was no oh. step down and literally face planted on top of his stroller. Oh. Um, I still yeah, laugh looking he, back at it. <laughs> um, but people have been really hurt by stuff like that. People have got broken their legs being run over by scooters. Scooters hit people more than strollers. Oh, scooters are true. worse than strollers. The scooters, okay. Well, we were with someone that had their foot run over, weren't we? Not long ago, one of our girlfriends. Yeah, I think so. Carrie got hit by a scooter one time, didn't yeah. she? Uh huh. Yeah. I think it hit her foot. So yeah. I think the message here is like theme parks, you gotta watch out. Strollers, rascals. Make sure you know what the level is coming off the bus. Otherwise, I'll be laughing at you for like a week. Call them rascals, like well, a rascal is a scooter. I call them rascals. No, no, no one calls them rascals. Don't do that. I do. Okay, that's all we got time for. This was a blast. Thank you, Jessica, Sam. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us on, Jared. Thanks for having us. If you want to find out more about Jessica Foster Korea and Samantha Hedges, check out the Escape Travel Podcast and the Fab Five Travel Podcast. Yes, they're on both. You can also visit Sam and Jessica's Facebook pages for more information about travel planning. So that's facebook.com slash travel plan with Sam for Samantha Hedges and then for Jessica it's facebook.com slash vacations with Jess take a vacation everybody now for those of you listening in Bee Hunter Indiana because fuck them bees I've got a great Spotify playlist for you it's all the best Taylor Swift songs that were never singles brought to you by Jessica Korea. Yeah, I'm basically taking the week off. Now, I've run out of time today, so I won't be able to address the recent controversy surrounding butterscotch pudding. Just know that I still love it. This is Jared Korea reminding you not to pet any coyotes, including the ones that used to live in my backyard. Telemachus is a real mean bastard, let me tell you. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the Unbillable Hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.